0: Marriage is more than that, but it definitely includes that as well, according to this passage. So God gives marriage not just because of uh, the sexual appetite, but also because of the reality that the connection that one makes physically in the sexual act is different than any other physical connection that you have. So you can carry a baby for nine months and it's not the same as obviously, thank God, it's not the same as uh being sexually intimate. But look at what scripture says about this. Again, uh yeah, I'm sorry, don't visualize that too much. Um so so first again, um First Corinthians six, uh, thirteen through fifteen, we'll read all the way through fifteen for all right, well we've read through we've read um through, we'll read 14 um, in light of you know, the, the, the body being for the Lord and the Lord for the body, verse 14 uh, and God raised the Lord and will also raise us up by his power 15 is the key verse here do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a prostitute Never. So if one sleeps with a prostitute, Pastor Kirk said this, I'm saying, I think I said it before, and I'll say it again for the point of, of, of this going through this. Whoever we're with, whether it's a prostitute or whoever, your husband, your wife, whoever you're with physically, intimately, sexually, you become one with them. And because we're one with Christ, when we become one with them, we're making them one with Christ in some respect, in some mysterious way. And Paul's response is, shall we do this? Never. We should never do that, right? But the point that I'm making here is that that physical union is different than any other physical union you could have with anyone else. The sexual act is Ephesians 5, 28 and 30 through 30 says this in the same way husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. No one ever hated his own flesh but nourishes and cherishes it just as Christ does the church because we are members of his body. So when we come together in sex, we are coming together and we're becoming one. Right? And this Mentality is to, is to affect how husbands love their wives. So remember that the body is meant for the Lord. But the Lord allows the body to be used in a one flesh way in the bond of marriage. In the bond of marriage. Just as we have been bought with the price and are to use our, and our lives are no longer our own, First Corinthians uh, 6, 19 and 20. In marriage, we voluntarily give and reserve our bodies for the use of another. We do. Do you, groom, take this person to be your lawfully wedded wife pledging before God and these witnesses to be ever faithful devoted and true if you're at a wedding you'll hear those words and he'll say I do and will you sustain her in sickness and in health in times of poverty if they should come, as well as in prosperity he will say I will and so long as you both shall live. Will you keep her unto yourself? Will you keep her, excuse me, will you keep yourself unto her and, to un, and unto her alone? And he will say, I will. Other vows of the wedding may include um, to have and to hold, right? And sickness and that. So, so, so the, 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 the keeping yourself for her alone, that's talking about physically. Right, You're going to give time to other people. You're going to give something to other people. But the body is not to be given to other people because now this body belongs to Karen. And Karen's body, praise him, belongs. (laughs) (laughs) I told y'all, I I tried to warn you and I'm going to try to be good. I'm going to try, Lord, help me. Belongs to Michael. <laughs> I, I don't remember this, but my daughter told me this. I mean, because this is this is this is Pastor Mike's mentality. If you come to me and you say you want to get married, and I'm doing your marriage counseling, the first thing I'm gonna say is Sam, Sam and Isaac can tell you this. The first thing I'm gonna say, Tim, Timmy and uh, Timmy and, uh, and Fazza can tell you this, and most of the church probably can tell you this. Are you ready to put in work? Because in marriage, many times love is spelled W-O-R-K. And you have to express your L-O-V-E through your W-O-R-K. And once you get married, there's no turning back. There's not supposed to be any turning back. I remember one of my friends told me that. Man, I would have been real discouraged if if this happened. Thank you, Lord, that it didn't happen to me. But he was like, yeah, man, my wife had to, it, marriage was such an adjustment that my wife called her dad and said, I want to come home. Damn. <laughs> Damn. And her dad was like, baby, I'm sorry, you married now. <laughs> 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 you, you, I mean, ain't nothing I could do for you. <laughs> you, you I mean, they, her culture done jump the broom, but like for my culture, you didn't jump the broom now, like you married now, right? So my daughter told me that I have one child that's married, one daughter that's married, and she got married right here. I think Kurt did the the wedding. Before I walked her down, though, you're not married just because we're here, so I just asked her, are you sure you want to? This is your last time. (laughs) This is your last time. This is the only time I can help you. Like, I'll support you if you're trying to walk away right now. I don't care about the money. Hey, hey, hey. We're talking about being like headlocked with somebody for the rest of your life. You know that that, that's that's a way to think of marriage if you're not married yet. Just like you, like you, that you when you handcuff y'all together. so that's what I'm going to tell you after you get married <laughs> you married now I got one friend One friend who uh, who, call, who called, calls another friend and sometimes he'll be like man my wife this or that or the other and my other friend will be like man that's your wife man Like you do what you need to do with, with, to, to please your wife that's your wife I don't know why you calling me The reality is our body in marriage is not our own. So what do we do? What do we do because our body is not our own in marriage? What we do is we have sex in marriage to the glory of God. I thought there were some married people in here that could at least say amen. Just like a one or two. Now I understand, I understand, I understand. I'm understand. you might be a little shy or... And I hope this, is, this, this isn't the case, but, but, I, but I did, you know, I, I hear things, even if it's not my experience, I, I hear some things. And I heard, I heard this phrase that I really don't like. And maybe one day I w- I'll understand it. I, and I understand it on some level. But um, the phrase is sexless marriage. So as many as as one in seven married adults in the United States are in relationships with little to no sex. Now, the person, uh, Dr. Justin Laymiller, goes on to say in his article how couples cope with sexless marriage. um, Another stat is given that sex can disappear for a wide range of reasons, including relationship problems and health issues. Although involuntary celibacy, <laughs> I'm sorry, that's funny the way things are wordy, is usually experienced negatively. Many people stay in sexless marriage. So the, the title of the article is How Couples Cope with Sexless Marriages. The subtitle is How Sex Disappears and Why It's Not Always a Problem. So I would agree that it's not always a problem necessarily, because um, I mean, you know, I'm not in my 20s anymore, so I understand how things work physically, right? I do, naturally, right? But I also understand things still work physically, naturally right now as well. So it's not sex less. It might be less sex, but it's not sex less, right? in the context of now so so i say i agree not always a problem but i think we live in a culture where like some of the some of the, and we've been living in this culture where some of the anomalies are exalted to norms that aren't that shouldn't be acceptable if things are normal yeah some of the anomalies are exalted to places of normalcy when the context is just normal, it doesn't even include the, the abnormality. And that's unsustainable. Remember why sex in marriage is allowed. Or remember how Paul started off. Because of the temptation of sexual immorality. So God gives the gift of one Man for the woman, one woman for the man in marriage to come together in that way because sex is not true. Our experience of it can be messed up. I'll grant that, but God's the one who created it. And that's something that we must remember Uh, that I hope you remember throughout that God is the one who's fearfully and wonderfully made you and made me and part of that includes for most of us a sexual drive right so we have to harness that in a way that glorifies God and so the context to harness that in not just harness though to unleash, to share, to give is marriage. The theology of that is that that's the way we become one with our spouse. The theology of that is that God is the one who created uh, sex and created sex to be Enjoyed in the context of marriage. And the reality is, the theological reality is, that when we get married, our bodies do not belong to ourselves anymore, but it belongs to our spouse. And our spouse's body belongs to us. Now, even having said this, though, there's not like direction, right? There's no direction. except, Okay, you can have sex in marriage, right? So the Bible isn't 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 in the specific details in in terms of what it's what it's saying here. So there can be a lot of questions about sex. So so on that same page where I saw the article, um, you know, I did see that you know um, that that. Americans in their 20s, on average, I think this was uh, done in, like, uh, 2020, um, were having sex around 80 times a year or approximately every four to five days. Um, now, the, the, the rate declines over time, dropping to about 20 times a year for those in their 60s. All right? So, so, there's, so there's a spectrum, right? There's a spectrum. That's my point here. There's a spectrum. Then there were other articles that I didn't click on, but the questions were interesting enough that I'll share them now. Because the point here is that people have questions about, OK, well, all right, I hear the theology, Pastor Mike, but the functionality, um, like I might need some help. Now, I'm not sure I want to be able to help you with uh, functionality right now, um, because um, there's just, that's like a two-on-two conversation, maybe you and your spouse with me caring to me. But um, <laughs> so there's a whole article on is everyone else having more sex than you? There's a whole article on is anyone happy with their sex life? There's, a, there's another article on 11 reasons why someone could feel sad after sex. There's another article on what to try when one of you wants sex, but the other doesn't. So there are questions. There are questions. And as I've already stated, the the the, the details will not be. This passage isn't going to give you the details, right? But the passage does. Does elaborate on the on the functionality of that that sex should be happening within the context of a marriage, um, and verse three is really a, a, a verse that that helps us see this like very very clearly. So it says the husband should give to his wife her conjugal rights, and likewise the wife to her husband. So when Someone gets married. I'm sorry, I know I know we're American up in here, and I understand our, our you know, our background. I mean, as, as African-American men after, you know, and after celebrating Black History Month and all that, I understand that we want our freedom, right? We, that, that's, that's what we want, right? That's what we feel like we need. That's what we feel like we deserve. But in marriage, there are rights that your spouse has. Amen. I say amen to myself. There are rights that your spouse has that you cannot run away from. I mean, you can you can run away from them, but you won't be glorifying God by running away from them. There are conjugal rights. We know what conjugal rights are. If you know anybody, well, I'm, I know Pastor Kurt. Now we know people who've been locked up, so we know what it's like for dudes to receive conjugal visits. That's where. Even the prison system is like, okay, you married? All right, man, we'll let your spouse come in. Y'all can go and become one flesh, and she can leave, and you can stay, and y'all just, we'll we'll facilitate that. Even the prison system understands or, or, or commits to, not contributing to, a sexless marriage. A place where all of your rights are taken away and controlled by another. I don't have the, the, the schedule down like Pastor Kirk because I've never been in there like that. I know people, but I have not experienced like commissary this time. either. This, I, I've been in the military, so I understand that a little bit. But in a place where it's so restrictive, they are like, you know what? You can have conjugal visits. They understand that. So in... The body of Christ amongst those of us who are married, we should remember that our spouse has conjugal rights. I guess they're right to say, hey, babe, you awake? I'm sorry, that might just be me. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, okay, thank you. I- I didn't think so, but you know, you know how how it is sometimes. (laughs) And there's, and she has every right to do the same. She has every right to like, if I'm tired, I just say, hey, look, if you need anything while I'm asleep, wake me up. That could be a bit self-serving because that's a little like, hey, my sister, <laughs> I need to see you. But I'm tired right now and you're doing something, so I'm not going to interrupt you. But if you're good, just let me sleep. You know, it's just right. sorry, that's all right too, you know. But there are rights that the spouse has over the other spouse, right? So it says that each each man should have his own wife. Each woman should have her own husband. And then right behind it, the husband should give to his wife, verse three, her conjugal rights. And likewise, the, the wife to the husband. So both parties are willing to serve the other when they're feeling a little frisky. Why? Because verse 4, and I don't, I don't think I, 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 I hit on this uh, much, but, but verse 4 says the wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. Likewise, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. So I understand our freedom, but we we've laid our freedoms down when we when we said yes to Jesus. When we said he's our, our Savior, he, He's also our Lord, and this is the only place where, speaking of marriage, marriage is the only place where there is a, you know, where there is an assumption from God Himself that you're going to love him and serve him a little differently just because you're married. Just because you're married. 1 Corinthians 7, 32. I want you to be free from anxieties. That's what he wants. The unmarried man is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to please the Lord. But the married man The married man is anxious about worldly things, how to please his wife, and his interests are divided, and the unmarried woman or or betrothed woman is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to be holy. In body and spirit. But the married woman is anxious about worldly things. What are those worldly things? How to please her husband. God allows for there to be some distraction focused in the area of marriage. Period. And then we're talking about specifically about in the area of sex. Because that's what verses 1 through 5 It's talking about God allows this because when we get married, our spouse has authority over our body. We get that from the one who created marriage. The first marital officiant was God himself. So each spouse should be thinking about how to grant the conjugal rights because we don't have authority over our body anymore. Those rights belong to our spouse. So much so that verse 5, verse 5 says, do not deprive one another. Deprive, that's to defraud or steal. Any thieves in here, don't, don't say nothing. <laughs> How have you been robbing your spouse? do not deprive one another don't steal don't defraud then there is some, some wisdom except perhaps but, but 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 listen to that except perhaps <laughs> right that's not even a real con- that's except perhaps Well maybe maybe for this reason maybe if you agree for a limited time Right, so I'm not so one, one I mean, hopefully there's some questions, but 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 I'm not saying that, um, you know, I mean I don't think there's anyone who's been married for more than two weeks, maybe, um, who just has been able to have sex whenever they want with their spouse. Right, I mean, there are reasons for not having sex, so I do want you to to, to hear that um, with your spouse. But if you're if you are not going to do that, then there should be an agreement, and the time should be limited, because Paul is thinking about the temptation of sexual immorality, and it should be for it should be devoted to it should be for a specific purpose, right? A specific purpose. So here the purpose is that you may devote yourselves to prayer, right? So, so that you can devote yourself to prayer. Um, and I didn't study out, like, why he would mention prayer. Um, but I do know that sometimes when people took vows to pray and to kind of consecrate themselves for certain things, there, was, there are certain things they will, um, they will cut out of their practice. So, like, when we fast and stuff like that. So this is a way of, you know, participating in that without um, sex, But then come together again so that Satan may not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. So it's not just, it's not even just you or us or how we're made. It's also the enemy would love to capitalize on us being lax in that area and create just a sliver of a crack for something to happen. And things do happen. But it's not just the enemy. It's also a matter of self-control. And some people. Um, some people have their self-control. Jesus talked about eunuchs people or eunuchs for the kingdom of God's sake, those people may have chosen, like, you know what? I'm not going to be, I'm not going to get married. I'm going to be single. And you know what? I just want to say, I know Pastor Curtis going to say more about this, but we value singles around here. The scriptures value singles. Uh, you are able to not be distracted, but those of us who are married, we got other things to think about along with the Lord, right? So it's not that we neglect the Lord, but it's along, along with him. So we don't want to be found depriving each other. So if we're not going to be intimate with each other physically, if we're not going to have sex, then that should be something that we talk about. It should be something that we agree on like the how long this is going to be the case. And then we need to say when we coming together again, these are things that we need to do. So I would, I, would, I would say the scheme of the devil for us in this area is to say, you know what, my body is my own. Yes, it is on some level, but it's also your spouses. Also your spouses. Now, I will say that, they, that, that, that like there's a lot to talk about uh, with sex sometimes. So, you know, who, the background of the, the, the spouse's and stuff like that. Sometimes you got to talk through like many things, but I'm not going to start answering my own questions. Uh, um, if you have any questions, you can, you can s- submit those through the, uh, through the app. We don't want to be found saying our body's our own. Because I've just found this with human nature. Almost everything is a slippery slope. Almost anything can be weaponized. Almost, they're, 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 and, and, and this, this means that there's no bargaining. There's no I'll give you sex if you do. No, that's not, nah. Mm-mm. What, what worse, was? E- I'm a I'm a ball from Jesus. Even the Gentiles can do that, right? So we're not we're not we're not bargaining with each other. We're not bartering with each other. No, we're serving each other. We're we're giving to each other. We're asking so that we can make sure that it's as pleasurable as we can possibly make it. We don't want it to be a burden to the to the to our spouse. We want it to be God-glorifying and good. We do want that, too. We'd like that. Amen. Thank you, Lord. And it can be. But it starts with understanding what God calls us to, and it starts with communicating with with your spouse. So we, I just, I I have some other things I can, I'll I'll just mention these things because my wife, Share them with me because I wanted a, a, a woman's perspective um, on these things, as well as the scriptural and my own, whatever I had to add. Um, so I asked her, like, just like, could you just share, like, your thoughts on uh, sex and marriage? So I'm I'm going to share those as a as a like a springboard into any questions um, you might have, because basically what we're saying here in terms of the passage is that, well. God gave sex in marriage Um, God gave us marriage but he gave us sex in marriage not only to procreate but also because there is a temptation to sexual immorality And remember that the temptation to sexual immorality um, that even angels succumbed to that Mm -hmm. so it is powerful right so God gives us marriage to be able to express ourselves within the bounds of, of God-glorifying expression um, in, in marriage. Because of that, though, each of us, man or woman, should have their own uh, wife or, or uh, husband. And that when we get married, we, don't, uh, we, we, we should give conjugal rights to our spouse because our body doesn't belong to us anymore. It actually belongs to us. To them. If we do not give them their conjugal rights we are depriving them, we are stealing from them, we are, we are defrauding them and if there is a time where it's allowable to deprive them it's when we've agreed that you know what we're going to chill for this amount of time and we'll come back together so it's not just that we stop. It's that we agree that we're going to take a break for this reason, whatever the reason is, and we both agree on it. So it means that we should be, we should be making time for that. We should be taking time for it. So you should make time. To, I'm going to read my white stuff because I'm starting to get into more practical stuff that I'd rather be, be more precise with with anything practical. But um, so I asked her on her thoughts on uh, sex and marriage. So she said, um, you know, physical intimacy was designed by God to be a part of marriage and not to be treated as um, a decision to be made to do it or not. A lack of sexual desire for physical, for intimacy physically. A lot of us lack desire for physical intimacy um, because we either haven't cultivated or we are lacking cultivating. Get that? So we, we haven't cultivated or our spouse is not cultivating anything. It's like they're not giving us any attention, any, any uh, emotional intimacy or otherwise. In other areas of our marriage. So when it comes time to be physical, um, they can feel like they have to turn a switch on when in fact it should flow out of love and desire to please and serve God and our spouse. A lot of us can lack um, godly focus on our marriage in general, so we don't see one that God gave men and women these desires. Uh, Two, that intimacy is important and another way that we can draw close to one another emotionally and be one. And three, that our ignorance in this area can be a byproduct of us having a lack of focus or apathy in walking our intimacy. And this lack would be most likely, it will most likely be evident in other areas of our marriage as well. Another thing she says that a lot of us bring in habits, beliefs, and desires um, from from the world um, and or our own previous experiences in the world, um, not realizing that basically anything wanting to be explored um, outside the seemingly standard missionary position should be explored slash discussed together. This puts us on the same page and creates trust and eliminates hurt or worst abuse. Some people, she says, are just plain selfish. Um, either one wanting sex when, when and how they want it without patience or working with their spouse or how that might look in their marriage. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Okay. Um, or one is giving sex like it's a gift from them and not God and using it Against their spouse, withholding it, or in some kind of way as a reward system for their spouse. Good job, boy. It's like, no, nah, um. Uh, <laughs> you go, girl. No. Nah. Um. Another example of selfishness, which could also be called neglect, is constantly putting off intimacy for some perfect time because of busyness, being tired, etc. This is neglect to their spouse. They are they are so. They are more so not thinking of their spouse, though they genuinely may not just be thinking of themselves. And then, um, you know, for people who experience trauma, she says this, and I agree with it. Um, um, On thoughts, you know, with patients, those who. have trauma behind sex, can overcome their fear through trusting God and trusting their spouse and letting themselves... Let me say this. If your spouse... If you have trauma in this area in order to, like, have... For their patience to be given, obviously your spouse should know about the trauma, right? So it can't be like, I have trauma, I don't talk about this, and, like, you expect them to be patient. No, not, like... Intimacy means like, hey, I'm gonna let you know this about myself. Hopefully you that came up in premarital or something, but um, but if it didn't, like, man, uh let it come out so there can be some some grace, because like we, we those of us who've received grace like extending it, right? All of us, you know. Um so uh yeah, trusting God in their spouse and by letting themselves by letting themselves actually have a new, beautiful experience with their spouse to replace the traumatic ones. Um, And my wife has had some, some traumatic things to overcome in her life. So she speaks from experience. So when we grow, we put on and we put off, right? Just in general, as believers. So we need to replace our traumatic experiences in life with good ones, and it can be done. The goodness of God and the goodness of those around us who love us um, can help replace those traumatic experiences with good ones. So I hope there are questions. I'm going to stop right here and pray. And then if there are, which I can't see, if there are, then we'll, uh, we'll get to those. Um, but Lord, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you that you care about your people in the area of marriage and sex in general um, and where we, where and how um, we act on the natural desires that you've given us. We thank you, Lord, for someone who's willing to have us, for those of us who are married who are willing to have us in that way. Um, and we thank you that we're able to give ourselves in that way to our spouse, Lord. Thank you that we get to serve them. Thank you that they serve us. Um, Lord, I, well, I pray that there will be a quality of relationship, Lord, that is um, that is also experienced within our marriages, Lord. May we be God-glorifying, and may we, um, by your grace, uh, make marriage look good, Lord. And it still requires work. Um, so, we're not getting away, we're not replacing W O R K with just G O O D, Lord, that which is good, um, and thinking that, that w- but, but work can be good as well, Lord, because it's the outcome that we're, that we're looking for, Lord. And that's one to glorify you in our marriage, um, through our relational connection, as well as our physical connection with sex, Lord. So, I pray that you would um, bless and move to answer any questions with wisdom. And Lord, I pray that you would I thank you, Lord, that it does not appear that there are many people in our midst who have sexless marriages, Lord. We heard from a kids ministry coordinator and like children's ministry is booming around here because people have been not defrauding each other. So we thank you for that, Lord. But uh, we know we live in a culture in which we need to know about these things, have a biblical understanding and response to certain things. And that, that just may be questions. We don't talk about this much. So, Lord, we thank you for this time and we ask you for your wisdom and your grace moving forward in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank,
1: thank you, bro, for teaching. This is not a, a, a easy topic, especially in churches. People get uncomfortable because, in all honesty, uh, couples, Christian couples do not talk about this issue. They more presumed than they actually talk about it. And then you just expect your spouse to get it. So I appreciate you walking through this. All right, we got a few questions here. And please continue to send your questions in. All right, the first question is, I find it difficult to be Interested in intercourse with my spouse when she wears eyelashes that are. (laughs) no, I'm not going to ask that question. All right, so. So does the verse of becoming one with a prostitute only apply to the physical act of sex? What about sexual interactions that don't directly lead to sex? Are these in a different category?
0: Obviously, I would, but it may not be obvious, but for the way my mind works, I would have to hear about what actually you're talking about. Um, But I do believe that um, any touching of your private area, um, any uh, causing your private area to respond in it's to climax, like that, that's, I would see that as as adultery, personally. Um, so I, 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 in terms of one flesh, I don't know that the one. F- I'm sorry. If you see me, just what I did, I just, just have all these thoughts rolling through my mind on how to attack this. But um, but yeah, I think there can be other acts that are, uh, I'll, I'll say one flesh-ish. Um, because obviously, um, when you talk about, like, um, you know, vaginal, uh, sex uh, versus oral sex, I mean, they are a little different, but they can achieve the same thing for the male, um, and for the female, whichever way is happening, right? Um, so, I mean, that, that's a church discipline thing in my mind, so I would see that as, you know, okay, you didn't, as the Bible says, go in unto her, King James, um, or allow that. So I would see that as, sorry about that, you had to hear me think all that through. Um, but I would see that as, that as um, one fleshish enough to just say like yes. I would say yes. Now, um, if you're saying like you're like crude joking or something like that, I don't, that's not one flesh. Um, but when you're making a sexual connection with someone, um, that is... Includes touching and climaxing, or coming to the edge of climax, like you are becoming one flesh with that person. You're giving them something that you don't give to everyone else.
1: In other words, you think it's still sin.
0: It's definitely sin. Right. Even if it doesn't come to that, if you just touch—excuse me. Oh, sorry. Then it's that—that's sin too. Even if, if you, yeah, that's sin. Yeah, that's sin.
1: All right, uh, next question is do all sexual desires fall under the conjugal rights category? If we want something from our sexual relationship in marriage, where's the line between what we have a right to expect and what we do not?
0: Well, I think that, the, that that's, <clears throat> I, there's no way I can answer that question because I think the person who has to answer that question is you or your spouse. The two of you have to there's no biblical precedent for like, hey, do this and don't do that now there's biblical precedents to say, don't be swinging, um, stuff like that, but there's but um, it's just between the two of you, so the two of you have to come to um, an agreement on what's allowable or not. so I think as a, as one party, if it were, if it were us um, like, I think it's, it makes sense to talk about it proactively, um, to even ask, like, um, you know, do you like this? Would you like to try this? Um, and if it's no, then it's no. Um, if it's yes, then it's yes, and you can try that. But I don't think there's a, um, I don't think you should, should force your spouse to do anything, and I don't think the spouse should feel forced to do anything that they're not comfortable doing, and we shouldn't want them to feel uncomfortable either, because um, that just does more damage than it does than it does good. Um, so the line, I'm, I'm not sure of the line. Like I said, no swinging, no bringing other people into the joint. You know, not just. Um, I just have to say that but um, I'm sorry I keep saying it. but I'm going to have to say that just to make that clear but between the two of you you all have to work that out and if you can't then like if you can't like you don't find a spot I mean your pastors are, are welcome you to come to us my wife will welcome you if you're a woman to come to her and talk to her um, about that and um, and I think that's, that's a good question though I think that's a good question it's a great question. All
1: right, so what guidance would you have for couples whose sexual desires are unequally yoked when one spouse desires it more frequently than the other?
0: First I say, I say go see Cleveland after the church because he said something right here, but um, first I say welcome to the club because i mean i i i'm not sure that i know of uh, I, there may be couples but i often hear about you know somebody one of the two having more of a drive than the other and again the two of you have to like come up with like what's acceptable right what serves you right i can't say hey man uh you know two times out of three if, you, if you, i can't i can't do that but but like i think um I think the two of you have to talk about that and discuss it and make sure you're actually clear. Because sometimes you could, it's, you know, in the area of sex, you know, <laughs> so, so I mentioned in the sermon that I might be, I might say something like, hey, I'm going to sleep, but wake me up if you, you know. I mean, sometimes you don't communicate, right? I could go to bed being like, oh, dad, she um, got the grandkids right now. I mean, the grandkids are going to go to sleep, but I'm going to sleep right now, but eventually the grandkids are going to go to sleep, and if I feel like this is just one of them days where, like, you know what, I don't want to wait till tomorrow, I'm just like, I must have you now. Then, I mean, I can't have you now because you got the grandkids, but, hey, wake me up. You have to, like, be able to communicate with each other, and the only way you get comfortable doing that is by talking, talking to each other. So, um, so you have to talk about, like, hey, you know, I, you have to talk about how much you... Would like to, and she can share maybe why she doesn't, if she knows why, or maybe some things you can do to help her um, or him or him. Excuse me, I'm speaking to him because I'm I mean, I'm speaking like I'm talking to the wife, but um, but um, but but you two again. That's that's a you two thing, and if again, if you need um, assistance, you know, and talking through that, like again, we we are glad to do that. Two more? To
1: be clear, oh, no, no. No. Oh. to be clear, you said that's a YouTube thing, not a YouTube thing,
0: right? Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, yeah. no, 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 yeah. no, no. We're available, like, you don't need yeah. YouTube. We'll talk, and you can ask specific, you can't even ask them, even if you could, don't mess with them, we hit.
1: Yeah, they might say something wild. Wow. Yeah, they will, they will. All right, this is sort of in the same vein, but it's different enough that it's worth asking. Are there some guidelines to avoid using rights for selfishness or in ways that is self-serving or how to handle being on the opposite side of things?
0: Yes. Um, I think we should remember we're always believers. And so, like, you know, um, loving your neighbor, your spouse, as yourself, still applies even in the marriage context. Treating others the way you want to be treated applies in the marriage context as well. and so I think, you know, we have to, again, I, I don't know that it's anything human beings are given is a slippery slope. So um, rights, <clears throat> you know, can be utilized as well as, you know, people have used like the, the, the husband is the head of the wife in a weaponized type way. Um, so we aren't looking to um, just pull out a trump card and say, all right, man. You heard what the pastor said. As <clears throat> soon as we get home, that 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 shows that there's. There, I mean, like if you think about what everything you could, like your your spouse is not just a big sex organ. Like there's more to the relationship than that, right? So so you have to remember, like we're in a relationship, right? The way that this is supposed to be is supposed to be. Enjoyable. It's supposed to be. It's supposed to be satisfying. Hopefully, to both of us. If not, we need to learn how to get it that way. Um, but we're, but it's, it's service is involved. So, my rights. You know, if you have to demand your rights, you it may reveal that you probably need to come talk to us. That you need to work through some things so that it's not just about you pulling out a card to say, "Hey, here's my we married." Um, no, we love each other and this is just a further expression of the, uh, the relationship we have and the love that we have for one another and so we're not trying to weaponize our rights. Um, we want to be mindful of them, but we want to be mindful of our rights. We want to be mindful of rights for our application to respond to the rights of our spouse. We don't want to use rights to say, I got these. No, we want to remember that so that we can apply serving our spouse, not demanding from them. So the line is drawn. If you feel like you have to demand, that's already like, don't. I mean, you're going to do what you want to do in this area. I'm not going to be there. So you're going to do what you want to do. Um, But it would be a bad move to, to, uh, and I'm saying, don't use my sermon to, like, do that. Don't use me to do that. right? Um, <laughs> because I don't think that's, that's what's there. Scripturally, it's the conjugal rights is to the person who's going to be serving, right, or who needs to be reminded. Pray for your spouse. If you need to, talk to them, but don't, if you start demanding, um, then that's, that's an issue. However... Having said that, if you find that uh, I, I forgot what the stats are for sexless marriage because it's not like lack of sex completely, but it's like maybe under 10 times a year. So, like, yes, that might as well be sexless in my mind, too. But, um, <laughs> but like, if that's happening, then you need to, like, yeah, I probably need to talk to someone, right? And again, we. A competent to counsel in that area, so we're we're here for you. But I think you know we shouldn't demand, we shouldn't use, we shouldn't weaponize. Um, but if we want to grow, then we have to. You know, we may have to involve other people, and um, you know, you find someone you're comfortable with. But like I said, Pastor Kurt and I, Karen, we're the FIPS. Like people only, we, we we have folks here that can help.
1: So I'm going to ask this, because you answered them a lot um, in a way, but I'm going to ask this. Let me see if I can say it a little differently to get at. Let me see. All right. How do you, how would you counsel a couple who have fallen into the category of making their spouse earn sex, which I think is a big deal? Mm-hmm. I think it's a huge deal. Where it becomes, you got to earn it. You got to treat me this way, or do mm-hmm. this, or do that. I think that's what it's getting at. What would uh-huh. you say to that? Where they have to kind of earn it. Like one spouse has to feel a certain way first, or, mm-hmm. or you know, all of that.
0: Yes. Um, so, your spouse shouldn't ever feel like they have to earn it. Never. If your spouse feels like they have to earn sex from you, you're in sin, according to this passage, right? Um, Now, if you've gotten into the habit of that, um, then you got to start somewhere, right? Right? So if, if, if the habit is, um, if, if you've gotten into that habit, um, first of all, you have to see it for what it is. It's not scriptural. Um, but then you have to, I think I would, I'd be interested in, like, how we got to this place, place or why we're here um, so that we can start, like, addressing some of those things. But along the way, like, I, I mean, because that's going to take time, along the way, then I would uh, probably uh, try to see what the barometer is to at least like try to figure out what sacrifice looks like. So how? So let's say this week you try one time where you either offer sex or you respond without them having done or them having done anything. Um, but I would start with God's call. God's call is like, that. you can't, you can't do that. Um, now, I would say, like, um, if there are other things, if you feel neglected by your spouse or whatever, like, again, involving other people is a good way to help people grow. But remember, like, Christ doesn't, um, he's not withholding anything from, he's not making you earn anything. Right? You're, not, you're not earning anything, right? You sin against him every day, you know. Um, sometimes you know you're doing it, too. Um, but he's not withholding anything from you. He's not, all right, you did this, so I'm going to just, like, make you out of this car accident right now. You know, he's, <laughs> he's, not, he's, not, he's not doing that to you, right? Um, and so you don't, like, you, again, you're in a relationship, so you're, you have to remember the relationship. Too. There's the act, but there's the overall relationship. There's the goal, like, what do you want if say these people are in their 30s, 30 years from now, what you want your relationship to look like? You want your relationship to be just transactional? Or do you want it to be like this person is able to care for you? You're able to care for this person when maybe they can't even perform sex anymore. Like that could happen, right? And, and that there's no, you said you when you stood before God, right? Remember you headlocked now. <laughs> You still be for God. You say for better or for worse, sickness, you are there. But you have to sow to that. You You have to sow in that direction. So I would say it should never be transactional. It should never be like if you do that, then it, no. Now, it could be like, hey, my man or my woman, I just need you to warm me up a little bit. Like, you know, like do this or do that. Like if you need help, then tell them how to help you but it should never be, never be. It doesn't honor the God, nor your relationship for it to be, Are you got to do this, and then you can get that. Like, if you think about it at its worst terms, that's prostitutional right there. That, that is. Yeah, you can get some of this if you do that. So, in, in, in the house of God, there shouldn't be that. We don't need that, right? <laughs> He's given us what we need, so I hope that, that helps. If it doesn't, please come see me or text me. My number is, no, nah, I know it's being lost I didn't put my number out there, but, 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 but um, but yeah, our our sex should never be transactional between a husband and a wife. It can be to serve sometimes. It can be a service. Like right now, I really don't want to, but you know, I'ma participate. It can be that. It's not that's not wrong. But in order for me to do what you want me to do, then you need to do that. That's, that's wrong. So I don't know if I, I mean, I probably would say a lot more if I actually counsel them, but I would remind them that it doesn't glorify God. I would remind them of the, the ramifications for their overall uh, relationship, and I would try to help them figure out a way to, like, break that habit by, like, doing something different and offer, like, what you could do based on, like, what I'm hearing from from them. Amen.
1: You don't got to always be in the mood, but you if there's no, a problem don't. where you never in the mood... Right. Then that's, that's a, problem.
0: a problem. That's a problem. That's, that's a, problem.
1: a problem. That is a problem. All right. Uh, I think two more. Is it important to reevaluate sex in your marriages as you move forward in the years of marriage? What serves and what doesn't serve the other? Yes.
0: <laughs> Frequently. I mean, I, I, we, we don't meet this often anymore, things may come up a little bit more uh, organically, but I remember we would set times aside to talk about things, Um, and sometimes it was just to talk about our relationship, Um, and I think when it it was talking about our relationship, then it was like sex came up, but then at other times it would just be about um, you know, finances or something like that. So, so I think throughout your marriage, you you need to be having those kinds of conversations. Because, I mean, like this is how I am with snacks. Not saying that snacks and sex are the same for me, but <laughs> but there are a whole bunch of snacks I like. I like M and M's plain. I like peanut M and M's. I like pretzels. My wife can just buy me something randomly. Kit Kats. I like those. Um, so um, she can buy them, but. There's a way in which I I, I kind of binge on a certain one for a season, right? So I like I like Kit Kats right now, so I'm gonna get Kit Kats. All right, right what you gonna call it now, right? I mean, sex is one of those things that has can have flavorization to it. So there may be things that you like in this season that you may not like next season, and there may be things that it's like, you know what? We used to hey, let's. uh, and, I mean, you can even evaluate, like, in the midst of, right? I mean, you don't have to wait till the meeting, right? You, you should be able to communicate during. So I think it should be an ongoing conversation. That's just a natural, it's, it's, it's natural. Should be natural.
1: Last one, there's a couple questions on being single, but that's next week's message. Next said week. That a couple next of times, week. So... You can ask those next week. Um, this last one. If we are uncomfortable talking about sex and need help talking through these things with our spouse, what resources can help us do this?
0: Um, I think, uh, you know, I would I think, I mean, I've been here for a long time. Um, God bless you yeah um I think uh, you have many living resources like right in around you, you know um you could ask uh friends that you respect their marriage and their relationship, you can you know share with them where you are um now if 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 it's just you then i would I would say you go to someone. Who's you know same sex as you, and you talk to them. Um, if it's both of you, then I think you know you can uh, identify a couple that um, that can help you just unpack unpack that closet a little bit and uh, reorganize it so that you're able to to talk you know talk sex things with your spouse. Um, and um, I know that can be a big thing, and I know people would probably rather, um, you know, it, you may be more comfortable with, with reading something. Um, I would just say, you know, read the Song of Psalms. No, I wouldn't, that song, I wouldn't say that. Um, but the Bible, that, that book is very is sort of a, is erotic, and it's in the Bible. So, um, but, um, yeah, I, I, I apologize because I don't, I, I, since that's not something I've, I had to struggle with um, in my marriage, and not with many of you either. I don't have a lot of, re- maybe you have some resources that they can read, or, um, but I think you know we're here, like I said a few times, and we want to help, we want to help you thrive in that area as much as it's appropriate for us to help you. So like being able to talk that through, um, and to begin to develop habits of comfort with Talking about that, so that you can invest in your in that area of your marriage, like we're for that. We're for that. We'll walk alongside you in that. Um, but uh, but I don't know if you know of any printed resources that someone might want to uh, you know delve into. But
1: yeah, there's probably some, but I don't know what's really helpful for believers. I mean, we get so much of our stuff from like YouTube, mm-hmm. Red pills, to mm-hmm. all that type of stuff. So, right. I, I think I would I would think of it in the same way that you go after like other Anything categories else? of fear, of man. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's really just a fear of man issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, if you can't talk to if it's a struggle, then there may be other reasons why it's a struggle to have right. that conversation. Right. Right and, right. and you might need help having a, n- a different conversation right. to get to that point. But I think to your credit in the message, and you jokingly referenced Song of Solomon, but the point that that's actually in the Bible means that it's very important to God. Right. And I think all married couples, Christian in particular, should be having conversations about this in right. with each other and with trusted other couples that they can talk through this because this does have a major... It's a small part of marriage, but right. it's an important part nonetheless. Right. And we've seen people's marriages destroyed because of an inability to deal with this issue right. or selfishness towards it. So right. so thank you, bro. This is not one of them sermons that's comfortable. You know, sometimes we got them, <laughs> man, we got to say this, but right. this might, you know, but so I appreciate you, bro. Thank you for sending this out. And next week, we'll cover the singles. But that's all we got
0: for Q- Q- Q&A.
1: If you're here. Get to Mike or myself or others that you trust with any questions that you have.
0: All right. Thank you, Lord. So we are able to, I mean, we talk about this because it's in God's word, and we appreciate God's word because God has brought him, brought us into a relationship with himself through his son, Jesus Christ. And at this time, we're going to take a moment to Um, Thank him for what he's done by taking uh, the Lord's Supper, which is something that he reserved for people who are connected to him. People who say that they are uh, that he's their savior and that are living their lives in accord with the teachings of Scripture. So we're able to talk about this because of what he's done. So this is what it says in Ephesians 5. Ephesians 5, beginning in verse 22, it says, wives. as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Our model as husbands is Christ, and his action is that he gave himself up for the church. When we take communion, we're celebrating that he gave himself up for us to draw us into so intimate a a fellowship with him that if we were to join with a prostitute, we'd be bringing a prostitute to join with Christ. All of that was secured uh, through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ and that these elements represent his body which was broken on the cross and the blood that was spilled for us. So at this time, we're going to take the wafer which represents that body that he gave up for us to become one with him. Let us take and eat the wafer. And as mentioned The juice represents the blood that was shed for us on that cross and Christ giving himself up for us. Let's take and drink. Now, Father, we thank you so much for our Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you for what he accomplished for us. We thank you so much for the reality that in the area of marriage, Lord, we are able to represent, be a living illustration of the relationship between Christ and his church. And we thank you so much. We ask you that you would empower us um, for that. And, Lord, we thank you so much that even if we're not married, if, we, if folks are single, they get to be like Jesus, Lord, and be undistracted, Lord. So we thank you for, for wherever we are. Would you just continue to empower us to glorify you where we are? In Jesus' name we pray. Would you bless our week? Amen, amen, and amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful one. Ladies, don't forget you're meeting in the Welcome Center and uh, Real 360's next week. Core groups of this week.